each one of your listeners should ask themselves, what, is, what do I define as my absolute best? And what we usually define as our absolute best is the best place we ever got to, not the best place we can potentially get to. Welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronen Einbinde. This show explores the intersection between sports, business, and technology. Are you ready? Let's go! Today's episode is a massive one. It's a pleasure to introduce and welcome to the Calfton Snacks, a man who's an absolute legend. This man is an entrepreneur by definition. He founded a company, wrote a book, and he's one of the best public speakers I've ever seen. He's the managing partner of Excellent, an Israeli-based company which mentally and physically prepares young adults prior to their draft to the elite units of the army. His area of expertise lies in the intersection between psychology and sports, and he's here to talk with us about building mental toughness, resilience, and anti-fragility. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Doron Maman. Send this introduction to my wife every time I walk in the house. That's what I want to hear. Just like that. I want to start off today's chat with, you know, your story and the story of your, the company you currently run. So, I mean, how did you got into mental toughness and how did you come up with excellent? What, what pain point is it addressing? Tell us a little bit about it. I'm a big believer in understanding why you do what you do. And, and I think in order to understand the story, you have to understand the why of excellence. Before what it is that we actually do, the why is that we believe that everyone has to be warriors, right? And when I say warrior, I'm not talking about, you know, weapons. I'm not talking about soldiers. I'm not talking about anything of the relevance. I'm talking warriors as a mindset, as a DNA, And especially in times like now with Corona blowing up all over the world, I think the ability to deal with change with an obstacle and be able to move past it, that mentality of being, I'm a warrior and I can overcome any of these challenges is absolutely crucial. And th this is what drives us. So when people ask me, Don, you know, what do you do? I don't say I prepare high schoolers for the army. I don't say that we have more than 4,000 alumni that have served in the top units, not only of the IDF, but also throughout the world. I, I say I build warriors. And, and that's, that's just our DNA. That's, that's what we live for. And when you understand that, everything else just falls into place. So when people ask me again, what is excellent? Then we build warriors. How do we do it? Maybe we'll come up, you know, we'll come up in one of the next questions. We'll tell you how. But practically speaking, the main way that we do it today is that we train high schoolers that want to get accepted to the elite units of the IDF. In order for your, for your listeners to get a little bit better of an understanding, think about like applying for a college. If a, if a high schooler wants to apply for an elite college for uh, uh, what Harvard, Yale, Stanford, doesn't matter what, you know, they're, they're slim. What are their odds? I, I don't actually know. Do you know what their odds are of getting accepted usually? I'm not so sure, but I'm pretty sure they're low. So, so I, I'd say they're pretty low, probably under 5%. Um, in Israel, if you want to get accepted to the, one of the top units of the IDF, let's take the Israeli Delta Force, Seyrat Matkal, about 14,000 students, high schoolers apply. Only 12 finish. Not 12,000, not 1,200, just 12. And to be able to get into that top 12, which every year after year after year, we have more and more students. Just now we had two more go in there. Just understand, meaning out of all of Israel, out of you know, all these 14,000 that apply, two out of 12 belong to us just from this last year before that there was three. It's just the numbers go up and up and up. It's unbelievable. And the reason why it goes back to you know, what you first said, it's about 
how do we not only bring that physical side, how do you bring the mental toughness into the game? Because here's what's going to happen. I believe this is true about sports. Uh, I believe this is true about life. And, you know, especially for anyone who wants to be a warrior, physical, physicality is not enough. You know, if you look at the top teams in the NBA, it's not that one player knows how to do something that the other player doesn't, right? If you look at the top tennis players, it's not that one is better at one thing than the other. You know, you look at the top 500 players, they're all the same. But ultimately what changes is that mental aspect. And if you can bring it to competition, if you can bring it when it counts, you're just going to put yourself so much further ahead of the competition. So, you know, the pain points that we're addressing here is, yeah, we're building you physically. We're preparing you for those physical tests where these tests aren't, you know, run a mile, right? We're talking about, a test can last anywhere from four days to six days consecutively. No sleep, little food. And these are high school students doing unbelievable things. So it's not, all right, now you can last it physically. There's no such you know, creature that can last for six days straight without sleep and food to push themselves. It's do you have what's mentally there in order to push yourself past those other 13,988 potential people that want to take your spot? And when you acquire that mindset, whether you get to that unit or not, you just become mentally tough in the process and ultimately become a warrior down the line. That's a fascinating answer. Doron, what do you think it's the distribution between the physical and the mental side? How, how much of it is, is needed to succeed as a warrior? Look, I want to play the Pareto principle, right? The 20-80 law, where it's 20% this, 80% that. I, I, I don't know, but, but I can't say precisely, but I do believe genuinely that it is much more mental than it is physical. But, you know, as, as much as this is an ongoing conversation, especially in the sports psychology world and a lot of other worlds, it's not this or that. They, they have to coexist. What I think the beauty of what our program really does for, it's a one-of-a-kind program that you won't find anywhere else in the world that the goal of the workout, it's not to build your, you know, we don't come to a workout and say, all right, guys, today we're going to work our biceps or quads or glutes or abs or zit. It comes and it puts a value, it comes and puts a mental value in the middle, in the center of the workout and says, okay, how are we going to build this value through a bunch of different kinds of workouts, through using every single one of your physical muscles? So we might work on aggression. We might work on focus. We might work on determination, on mental toughness. The list is, is absolutely endless. So ultimately, they have to coexist. But in order to be a person that's not just talk, but can really walk it, you have to put your mental limits to the test via through your physical experience. And I think that's what these tests and that's what our, our organization does for these students. That's awesome, Doron. You know, and given your expertise in the field, I want to hear your opinion about how an athlete should approach mental toughness. What's the formula that an athlete must use to build mental toughness, resilience, anti-fragility? What does LeBron have to do to get in the mindset of, of saying, okay, it's time. I think mental toughness is, is, is the key formula deciding whether you're going to make it or not. So first of all, mental toughness is defined in the sports psychology as the ability to stay positive under the most difficult of circumstances. And when you look at it like that, then first things first, you must accept that shit's going to hit the fan. Like it will get hard. You know, I, I have, um, I, don't, I don't think I even told you this before. I had a son. I have a son now. His, his name is also Jordan. And, and, and I always ask myself, what are those, you know, what are the key values that I want to teach him growing up? And I want to teach him, and I say this is probably the most optimistic person I know, that the only two things guaranteed in life are pain and death. Now, if that's the case, then you will have one of two options, and you have to be very binary. You can either suffer or get stronger. 
And person who's mentally tough is a person that says, I understand shit will hit the fan. I understand things are not in control. So I decide that I'm going to fight. And again, back to that warrior mentality, you will be at endless junctions daily, hourly, right? And you have to decide, am I going to fight or will I suffer? Will I become my own victim or will I overcome this? And when you have that, then that's the first thing that has to happen. So in order to build that, what we talk about with our students is we call it the excellent method. It's a three-stage process that we built that any person can apply in any aspect of their lives that if you apply it, you will be able to get to top levels of performance. You'll be able to deal with those stressful moments and you'll be able to come to that moment where you think that you have no choice and no, no ability to overcome it and just crush it. And the way it works is like this. The first stage, we call it know your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? And what happens is so many people do not have a genuine why. And you know, I look at athletes also. I think, I think that's one of the places, there's a, there's a great HBO documentary coming out soon called The Weight of Gold. Just watch the, just watch the trailer. I can't wait to see it. And you see all these gold medalists doing that did unbelievable thing, Michael Phelps, Sasha, like the craziest and the best ever. And you see them talking about how after they got their gold, they all fall deep into depression. And again, the reason being is because their why was motivated from egoistic personal drive. Why do you want to be the champion? Because I want to be the best in the world. Why do I want this? It's usually related to us. When your why is automatically related to something greater than yourself, for example, you know, think about a parent. Have you ever seen a parent whose background on their cell phone isn't a picture of their child? Of course not, because they're always putting their why right in front of them. They don't know that they're doing that, but you always got to put your why right in front of you. And when you know your why, you will find out how. I'm after my first, my first, I think my second startup crashed and failed miserably. I, I got a very good piece of advice from a performer professor. And he said, first, like take the next year, no matter what they say, first say yes, and then figure out how. Now it's one of the craziest pieces of advice that I ever got, but it's meaningless if I don't know why. If I'm doing it because I want to develop mental toughness, then it's egotistical, but I can take it a level higher and I can say, I'm doing it because I want to inspire mental toughness in my son. I want to inspire mental toughness in my students. When I understand that my actions relay automatic effect onto other people, I'm going to be that much more committed to pushing myself to mental toughness. So stage one, define your why and know it. Stage two, we call hustle. And hustling isn't hard work, especially in today's world. Ken Robinson in his book, Out of Our Minds, discusses how there will be more people that will get a first degree between the years of 2010 and 2040 than there will be from the very first degree that was ever given in the history of mankind until 2010. Now that's an unbelievable number. Why? Because it just shows you that first degree is already worthless. The, the market is so flooded with the same shit. So if everyone is, is doing the same thing, then if you want to hustle and if you want to work hard, we define hustle as what are you going to do that nobody else is doing in order to succeed? And that's a practical question. This is not a theoretical question. That means if my students come and we're training on the sand dunes and we're doing sprints, some, let's say the practice is 15 sand dune sprints. What are you going to do that no one else is going to do? Are you going to do a 16 sand dune sprint? Are you going to spend the night doing stretches? Are you going to make sure you're eating the right things? Are you going to go see a physiotherapist to make sure your body's up and, up and you know, going? That difference, that one little extra action that you do, it'll be what separates you. And if you do that over time, you just create a greater and greater gap. And the last stage, so we said, know your why is one, hustle. What will you do that others want more to succeed? And the last stage we call win or learn. And I said this word before, but it's so important. You have to be binary. No more of this gray bullshit. The no more of this, you know, I, like for example, I, I think 
one of the words that I don't allow my students to say, if they say it, they have to do 100 burpees, they know this, they're not allowed to say the word but. B-U-T. Because if I come up to a girl, right, and let's say I was in the dating world, and I date a girl, and I say, listen, I had a great time tonight, and you were phenomenal, and it was great, and you were funny, you're sweet, and you're pretty, and you're no, 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 But, the second I say but, I erased everything that happened in front of that. And the same thing in our own psychology, right? The second I say but, I create a gray zone. And I don't look at myself and critically judge myself in a way that will build me. So we say, no more saying but, no more gray zone. Black or white, win or learn. Win, did you get the desired outcome? Learn, if you didn't, what do you have to do in order to improve yourself to be on the win side? And then again, win or learn, win or learn, win or learn. So know your why, hustle, win or learn. Next day, again, from the beginning, from the beginning, every day starts zero, zero. And I think any person that'll start the day with their why, do one thing more that others won't in order to succeed and then go to win or learn, they will put themselves far beyond the competition, build resilience, mental toughness, anti-fragility, and just completely dominate their field. That's amazing, Doron. I'm going to make a mental note about it because for sure it's a framework that works across multiple disciplines. Either it's your studies, either it's sports, either it's, you know, dating life. It, it, it applies everywhere. And, you know, I love it, Doron. Thank you for sharing it. And now mm -hmm. I want to ask you the contrast question, which is how an athlete should not approach mental toughness. What are three common beliefs that regular athletes or soon-to-be uh, elite soldiers in the army kind of assume to be true about mental toughness uh, with which you disagree? And why, why do you disagree with them? First of all, that it's built in. It's not. It's a muscle. In neurobiology, they, they discuss the concept of plasticity. The word plastic, which means your brain is, is consistently changing and morphing and moving. And you have to understand that the concept of mental toughness, it's not, oh, he has it. He builds it. And again, you know, we mentioned LeBron. I think LeBron is a really interesting concept because if you look back at LeBron's days with the Miami Heat in the first championship, I think they played the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. You look at LeBron and you say, you know, there's all those jokes. He's got no fourth quarter. He can't this, he can't that. And he really was a mentally weak player. But you look at LeBron today and he is not only leading in basketball, but I think in the whole sports world in the mental toughness aspect, which just goes to show you that it's, it's not built in. This is a muscle that, that has to experience trauma, right? By the way, what, you know, what is a workout in the end, right? When I go to the gym and I lift weights or I bench or I run or whatever, ultimately what I'm doing is I'm creating an organized trauma to the body, right? Where I'm ripping the fibers apart and then I'm filling it up with proteins in order to get stronger, meaning I have to break it down in order to build it up every time. You don't just build, you break down in order to build. And it's the same thing here. You have to go, you know, I joked about it before, my second failed startup, this is my third business in life, and this is the best one. And I have no doubt, no doubt that I would not be, I would not be successful in my field today if I didn't experience and I wasn't blessed by those failures before. So I've grown more mentally tough and I plan to grow more mentally tough and deal with a lot more shit that's going to blow up in our faces along the way with the corona and a million things that are happening now. And that's just the game. So A, it's not built in. I think the second misbelief, and, and it's not only misbelief, I think, I think it's just, it's incorrect to think that way. I think it just really minimizes individuals is that mental toughness is not domain specific. It's funny, our company is called Excellent. And we talk a lot about the difference between an excellent human being and being excellent at something, right? And a person that's excellent in, excellent in something just means he's taken one field and he is the master of it. He is a boss, he will, you know, he'll bulldoze his competition. 
you want to be an excellent human being, you have to have that mindset that wherever you go, you will just dominate. John Wooden, um, highly recommend John Wooden. If you haven't heard of him, he's one of the most winning coaches in the history of basketball. I think he took, in 12 years, he took 10 NCAA championships. Just, it's like being struck by lightning six times in a row while you win the lottery in the other hand. Like it's, it's unbelievable numbers. And he talks about it that you want to get to a point of, you know, he talks about it in what he calls his pyramid of success, that at the very end, you want to be what's, what he defines as competitive greatness. Right, which means at any moment, at any given moment, I can come and wake Ronan up and say, hey, Ronan, want a game of one-on-one? And you don't have to wash your face and say, give me a minute of his day. It's like, come on, bring it on. And you have no idea to go from zero to 100 in one shot. And if I wake you up the next morning and say, you want to play chess? It doesn't matter that basketball is in your domain. You say, all right, fine, chess, because you know that you're not domain specific. If I tell you to write an essay right now, all of a sudden, then you'll do it. And, and that's what it is. It's not domain specific and you have to be challenging your mental toughness in multiple levels in order to bring it up. The one I think, and I want to hear your opinion about it super quick, is the, the, I, this idea that your, your potential is limited. Meaning that, you know, you can only go to a certain degree or to a certain level. What do you think about that? It's very interesting. I always t talk to my students about the concept of a marathon, right? A marathon does not make physiological sense. Anatomically speaking, the human body isn't designed to pass the 30-kilometer mark. But every year, hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million plus, I don't know what the numbers are, but hundreds of thousands of people, old people, young people, people, I'm not even joking, people literally with one leg complete a marathon, right? And they go 12.195 more kilometers than, than everyone else. Now, the first person that ever ran a marathon actually died. Like that, that's actually the story. He ran it, if I'm not mistaken, from the city of Athens to the city of Marathon in order to pass a message. He got to Marathon, the city, he passed the message and he died. And that's the concept of limiting our potential that we as human beings, we're, we're here on this planet and we're kind of, we're always intrigued to see how much further can we take it, right? And I think that's the reason why the concept of a marathon became so exciting because people said, oh, he died doing it. Let's see if we can do it. And then they made ultra marathons and then ultra ultra marathons and now you have people that literally in one consecutive race i think there's a man who holds a world record of 365 days in a row running a marathon if i'm not mistaken it's it's insane so so yes the concept of limits are strictly what we define them by what what are our limits right i'm not talking about our limits as the most unbelievable human i'm saying each one of your listeners should ask themselves what is what do i define as my absolute best and what we usually define as our absolute best is the best place we ever got to, not the best place we can potentially get to. We create our own glass ceiling, which doesn't really exist. And we say, the most I've ever run in my life is eight kilometers. And until that point, until you get to that 12 kilometer point, you will be convinced that your absolute best will be eight, which is why I really believe that we have to be so well aware of how we put ourselves these limits. And obviously, you know, done it in, in a correct and in a healthy manner, so we don't hurt ourselves that these limits are, are just the things that kill us. You know, uh, Tony Robbins talks a lot about um, that we have six basic needs. And one of the needs, the fifth need is growth, right? And he just talks about it in the sense, you know, look at a tree. A tree does one or two, one of two things. It grows or it dies. It doesn't stand in the middle of its life and say, all right, I'm just going to chill here for a minute. You grow or you die. And I think if you're not challenging your current limits, then you're dying. And no one wants to be in that side. I find that super intriguing, uh, Doron, and I think that's worth looking into, you know, introspectively, you know, inside of you, what do you think your limits are and having that mentality that you can always go 
further. I think that's great. And you know, I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan and I know you are as well. And one of the things that I've always wondered about high performance athletes, it's how to deal with situations when odds are stacked against you. How can an athlete use a disadvantage to his advantage? For example, I'll give you a quick example, the Nuggets. They were down 3-1 against the Utah Jazz. They came back. Now, now they were 3-1 against the, the Clippers, and now they're in Game, game 7. Uh, for the listeners, just to know, the Game 7 has, hasn't happened yet. Or, or, or another example that I think about, what if you're, you're up against Usain Bolt in a race, and you know he's the best in the world, and you know that the odds aren't in your favor? How can you use that as an advantage? How do, how, what do you think about that, Doron? The first thing I say when, when I'm at a setback, or I, you know, I race my students sometimes, or when I challenge whatever, I, and I know I'm, I'm in the comeback position and, and I'm, you know, the underdog. I say, thank you, God. Like, Mehmet, I pray. I say, thank you, God. Not because I don't want the pressure. It's because you got to learn to love the pressure, right? That's, that's a major part of mental toughness. It's you've got to learn to love the pressure. You have to be excited by this. Look, let me tell you something else you might not know about the Nuggets. If the Nuggets win tonight, they'll be the first team in NBA history in a single postseason to make two, three, one comebacks. That's never been done in NBA history. Now, as, sir, as, as huge and, and, and insane as this may seem, the glory that you'll experience after a victory is measured by the size of the obstacle that you overcame. Now, why am I saying that? Because, look, if you ever, I, I'll put it differently. I call it the Pleasantville effect. Have you ever gone to see a movie where the hero is chiseled, beautiful, perfect? He has no enemies. Every basketball that he shoots, he makes. He has a girlfriend, and that's the end of the movie. Of course not. There's, there's no such thing, right? Because we go see a movie to go experience the obstacle, to watch the protagonist experience an obstacle, overcome it, and win in the end. And that's the same thing. So you have to know that when you're starting off as the underdog, you have the opportunity to build a Hollywood story. You have the opportunity to come and say, everyone's going to look at this. No one's giving us a shot. And yeah, as a cliche as it may sound, I, I personally get super excited. So I truly believe that when you see a monster obstacle, you can either you know, retreat, or you can say, wow, when I beat this and when I win, you know, th this will be the story that everyone's going to talk about. And, and I think that's, that's one way of getting excited. Um, I think a second thing, and this is, like I said, warriors aren't just measured in sports. I think comebacks, you know, especially in the business world, especially it's going to be very interesting now to see how many, how companies are going to come back post Corona, post wildfires. You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, challenging situations coming in the world right now. Um, I think one of the most interesting things is turning this disadvantage into an advantage. It's a, it's a saying in Hebrew. It says, it's not a bug. It's a feature. How do you take that disadvantage, go a little deeper into it and find what the advantage is? Cause there's no such thing as a pure advantage. It just, it just doesn't exist. Right. There is no such thing as a pure advantage. Um, and, and I think that when you can find value in what you're doing, when you can find, you know, the, the value of what you will benefit, cause there's always something to gain from it. Even if the nuggets lose tonight, People will applaud them and they're going to, they're going to develop this inner beast. That's going to come back next season, even freer, even meaner, even better. And, and it's just going to move them forward. If, and again, this is a big, if, if they're maintaining a winner learn mentality, if not, then they'll collapse into themselves and they'll never get to the NBA finals. And I think the last thing I would say as a tip for that is take what you're best at and just get better at it. You know, like, look, Shaq was one of the best, you know, one of the best NBA players in the history, but he couldn't shoot a free throw if his life depended on it. Now, 
if Shaq spent his time practicing free throws all day long, yeah, he'd get, you know, 5,000 more points at the end of his career, more or less, I think. I think it's close to five or 6,000 points. But if he wasn't practicing being the most dominant player in the game, he wouldn't take any championships, right? You have to know that a per there's no such creature that's perfect in every position. You have to take your position, become the absolute best at it with your specialty and the other things, commit to getting better. Commit to getting better, but make sure that people know that this is your domain. When people come and ask me, I can't tell you anything about computer technology. I can't tell you anything about, you know, how to build a building, but I can tell you everything there is to build warriors because I'm a freak of it. I, I live it. I read it. I breathe it. And, and, you know, 4,000 alumni that have gone through here and the 500 students that we have now are just, this is just all I live. So I, I think it's huge. I, I really believe in that. That's fantastic, Doron. I think if there's one thing uh, the listeners need to remember is that you're either going to win or you're going to learn. And that's it. You know, that's, that's great. And, you know, since you're one of the most inspiring persons I know, I can't finish this interview without asking you, you know, a personal question, Doron. If you could have a billboard which would be seen by millions of people every day, what would you write on it and why? You can't choose the game. You can't choose the rules. You can only choose how you play. And the concept of control means that we've been lied to from day one, right? Like, you know, as a kid, you're told you can be whatever you want if you just keep your mind at it and you work at it and you can fulfill your dreams and say, that's bullshit. That's not true. Nothing is in your control. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. You, it's not in your control if you'll be successful, if you'll get married, if you'll make money, you know. And people usually say, what are you talking about? Is it people usually in my, in my lectures, they really get riled up by that. And I say, all right, fine, but you can literally exit this building, a piano will fall from the sky, land on your head, game over, you're done. Control means you have 100% control. And, and the truth is you have no control in anything except for one thing. And when you understand that you only have control in one thing and you put all of your focus there, you change all the rules of the game. And, and that thing is the only thing in your control is how you decide to play the game. The ref will give you bad calls. Shit's gonna hit the fan. Corona, I, I was telling you before that, you know, with having a physical product which trains 500 students throughout the country you know all of a sudden telling you you're in quarantine you're not leave your houses for six weeks i can say all right game over or i can find out how i'm going to choose to play the game and we managed to sustain more than 90 percent of our customers and we managed to give them even more value giving online mental training and uh online lectures and just growing our product unbelievably to a point where we're even stronger today than where we were before and again not because i worked hard was it it's simply because we decided we're gonna keep playing the game. And I think that as long as you understand that you always have a choice, always have a choice how to play the game, no matter if they change the rules, if they bring in a new ref, if the players change, you choose how to play the game of life. And when you have that, you know, mental toughness is yours. You'll be a warrior, you'll, you'll just thrive in any situation and, and victory will just become a byproduct of anything you do. I have no doubt about that. I love that, Daron, what, what a legend, I mean, I think that's a great place to end our conversation. I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your story on, on today's Halftime Snacks. And I was delighted to have the chance to speak to you. It was great. It was a pleasure. And I had so much fun. And I hope we can do this again in the future. Amen. I hope so. I hope so. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week!